Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com, and today we're going to talk about preparing ourselves and our families for Sunday morning worship. How many times does Sunday morning roll around and you find your heart in a state of chaos instead of calm to worship the Lord? How many Sundays do you arrive at church and realize you haven't even taken the time all week to pray for your pastor or your church family? And maybe there's just Sundays you just arrive in such a frenzied, frazzled chaos. Well, I want to share with you some simple steps that we can take to prepare our hearts and the hearts of our families for Sunday morning worship to the Lord. The hope today is to get you to understand the purpose and the mission of the local church, and then we're going to move on toward how we can proceed with some simple steps to prepare our hearts and the hearts of our families for our time of worship on Sundays. I'm not going to give a full exposition here on the importance of church. I don't want this to turn into a debate, but I really do see it strongly biblically. I want to establish why I see it so clearly laid out in scripture that this is God's design, the local church. So I'm just going to begin our time by sharing some scriptures with you and talking a little bit about them. So if I just look at the Apostle Paul's epistles, They were written to local assemblies of believers to be read in the gathering of the saints. These letters would be read and circulated to the local churches in those cities. And an epistle is just a Greek word that means letter or message. So the epistles were a form of written communication during the New Testament times. And many of the New Testament books were originally written as letters to the churches, and they're referred to as epistles. Think, um, I'm going to throw verses out there. Think Romans 1.7, 1 Corinthians 1.2, Galatians 1.2, Ephesians 1.1, Philippians 1.1, and I could go on, but you get the idea. So God designed it that we would be in loco fellowship. And I'm going to take us next to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And it says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we can't stir one another up to love and good deeds unless we're meeting together. And verse 25 tells us how to carry out verse 24 in that Hebrews text there, not neglecting meeting together, right? Note how in most places in scripture, we're told to love one another and do good deeds, right? But in these verses, we're told to encourage one another to love and good deeds. So the context where this is taking place is the local assembly where we gather together. And the hope is that as we gather together, we're not just focusing on our needs being met, but we're looking as to how we can meet the needs of others and really looking, how can I spur my sister or brother in the Lord to love and good deeds? This won't happen if I'm not involved in a local body of believers, attending it regularly and getting involved in the lives of others. All right, listen, there may be some of you who don't attend church, all right? Maybe you've been hurt or you're having trouble finding a good church. I I don't know all the details and reasons, okay? But if you can, even if you physically can, if you are able and you are near a church um, and probably near tons of churches... I'm going to encourage you to find a local church you can attend with your family. Listen, there is not going to be 
any kind of perfect church. I mean, I'm going to encourage you to find a good Bible-believing, preaching church. But as the saying goes, if there was a perfect church, that changed the moment that we walked in the door, right? So when we become believers, those of us who have repented and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, we enter into fellowship with the people of God. We cannot practice our faith alone. It's not God's design. He uses others in our lives within the context of the local church to grow us and spur us on. And sometimes there are challenging or difficult relationships that grow us in ways we wouldn't if we decided to not attend church, or sometimes if we decide to do, quote, what some people call community, our own way. Listen, there's a mix of backgrounds and personalities and diversity within the local church that you can you cannot put together on your own because mostly when we're looking for others, we're finding like-minded people, right? This diversity in our local church is necessary for our spiritual growth. Think about this. Our God is sovereign. He's in complete control of all things, and that includes the mix of people in your local church body. <clears throat> and also your pastor or your elders They cannot meet every need in that local body. And this verse reminds us that we are our brother's keeper and we need to be active in the lives of others. I get it. We can't know everyone well in our local body, but we can learn to take our eyes off ourselves and see what the needs are around us that we can meet. Let me throw just a few more verses here at you. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 17 tells us, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I am so, I read that, and I am so thankful for my pastor and to be under his headship, under his leadership there, and to have that accountability there. And then our ever favorite passages in Acts um, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, I love this part because catch this, I'm sorry I'm interrupting here, but and day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'm just thinking as I'm reading this, um, I'm going to make a little um, in way here really quick. That verse 46, I didn't always hear that before, and attending the temple together. And then it says, and breaking bread in their homes there in verse 46, because we always hear about how it was in the homes. And I get it, it was, but they were still worshiping at the temple at that time, and they were still meeting together in a congregational place. So one of the other aspects I love of this text is of the early church, because their pattern was marked by such an excellent example of love for God and love for others. And I want to link to a podcast in the show notes that is worth a listen to by Rick Thomas. And it's called, uh, the title of it is called A Crazy Idea for Sanctification, the Local Church. And you could read it or listen to it. I, I encourage you to listen to it. I just enjoy doing that better and I get more out of it. But in it, he states, there. I'm going to quote a paragraph here he has from it. 
He says, when you read the story of how Christ built his church or how the early church poured themselves into each other, you see a different picture. Read Acts 2, 42 through 47 about the early church, the passages I just read, okay? He says, see if you can, quote, feel the community in that passage. The people have all things in common. There is mutual sharing, caring, and communal intrusion into each other's lives. It does not have the lecturer to student feel. It does not have the hurting isolationist with a book feel. There is a sense of transparency, vulnerability, and humility that bleeds through this passage. Gospel-centered people have nothing to protect and nothing to hide. They have one common goal laid out in three parts. The goal is Jesus and the pieces are, he gives three here. The first is personal. I want to know more about Jesus. Second is communal. I want to experience the life of Jesus with each other mutually. And third is evangelistic. I hope to share Jesus with people who don't know him. The early Christians were in each other's business. What they were doing has a far different feel than the guardedness of the average Christian today. When it comes to matters of the heart, today's Christian prefers getting fixed in private only to resurface later to do community with fellow believers. The New Testament Christian was not insecure or image conscience. They came just as they were, integrated with other fellow strugglers, and mutually matured in a community. They were well aware of what was going on in the lives of those around them, including their thought lives, end quote there. And again, that was from that podcast from Rick Thomas called A Crazy Idea for Sanctification, the local church, and it's rickthomas.net. And I will link to that in the show notes. Paul also gave instructions to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13 that can only be happening in the context of the local gathering. So 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Acts 27 describes how Apollos was commended to the church at Achaia by by the disciples. Acts 18.27 says, And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Romans 16, 1 through 2 says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So church isn't a duty or just another thing to cross off our to-do list. It's somewhere I want to be. I want to worship alongside the saints, learn more about my brothers and the sisters in the faith and how I can love them and bear their burdens alongside them, to be there to offer encouragement and to worship and pray alongside believers and learn what the Lord is doing in their lives and also to share what the Lord is doing in my life, right? And they are also there to bear by my burdens and to come alongside me and to spur me on and encourage me. So how do we... As especially moms, because that's really who I'm talking to, but not even just moms, because I'm a I'm a mom and a grandmother now, but my husband and I are alone now. So how do I even make preparing and planning for the Lord's Day a priority still? In his book, The Expository Listener, Ken Ramey states, and if I've said his last name wrong, I'm so sorry, but it was called Expository Listening. And he said, For the majority of people, even church members, Church is not the priority of their week. Too often, school, work, sports, and other activities take precedence over going to church. They make the mistake of letting their time to be ordered by the world, which views the weekends as a time to relax, to play sports, to stay up late, and sleep in. 
For Christians, however, Sunday should be the most important day of the week. You should try to schedule your work, activities, get-togethers, and vacations around church. You should live by the principle that Sunday morning starts Saturday night, end quote there. So let's look today, ladies, at some practical ways that we can prioritize the Lord's Day. Ponder what your Sunday morning and your week and your Saturday night look like and see if there's some changes that maybe you'd like to make. Maybe as I talk through some of these, maybe you just choose a simple one or maybe two that <laughs> that those little changes can just have a big impact on your Sunday morning. So let's look together at some ways to prepare our hearts for church during the week, even before we get to Saturday night. But we're going to talk about Saturday nights and then we're going to talk about Sunday morning and go through it all here. So I'm going to start first with prayer. So let's go through some things. Um, do we spend time in prayer for our pastor, our elders, our church family? Do we pray for the missionaries our church supports? Our, our church puts out a, a bulletin every week, which I think is so handy. And I know not all do, but if you um, have your journal or your notebook, whatever you take to write down prayer requests, but I love to use my church's uh, bulletin because it has the prayer needs of my church family and just the missionaries the church supports. So it's a real helpful tool for me to have for praying. Um, one great thing to do is to pray as a family or um, you homeschool mamas or mamas when you're praying with your children to pray with your children over the various needs in your local body of Christ so they can see the importance of that. And one simple way to do this is to keep a prayer list or board in your home and list the requests of your church family on it. That's just a good visual reminder to have. And maybe you keep a little notebook of prayer requests by the table or wherever you keep your family worship items together, and it's there. Do you pray for the lost among the congregation to be converted? Um, pray during the week that you and your family will be good hearers of the word that's being preached. Pray for receptive and teachable, repentant hearts to receive correction or rebuking from the word. Pray that you'll come into God's house with humble hearts of servants ready to meet the needs of those around you. So let's look at some other aspects on how can we be preparing our hearts for Sunday mornings throughout the week, looking now at Saturday nights and on Sunday mornings and even through the week. So during the week, spend time reading the verses that are going to be taught on Sunday morning. Uh, talk about them with your children. Our, our pastor preaches through one book of the Bible at a time, so it is such a help for me to read ahead and study the text a bit before the sermon. I really appreciate being able to do that. Practice family worship with your family during the week. This is really simply, this does not have to be overcomplicated. This is simply time together to read God's word, pray, and sing together. Simple hymn, whether you sing one chorus, one verse of it or the whole song, maybe you have musically gifted children in your family. I'm going to share a link to um, a PDF article, really, by Donald Whitney. And it's really simple. It's the front side of a sheet, and I think half of the other. And he literally called it Simplify Family Worship. So I will link to that in the show notes. Big one here. And this sounds hard now. Try to be home on Saturday evenings or at least a decent time on Saturdays so you can plan ahead to get a good night's rest and not be up late. It is not very respectful to be nodding off during the sermon. Your pastor put in an average of 25 to 30 hours in preparing that sermon, all right? You should be ready to give the Lord and your pastor an hour of your undivided attention. You will benefit spiritually and so will your family. So get some good rest. 
On Sunday mornings, think about this. Keep the TV, the phones, and the computers off if possible. We can be so easily distracted. And time, even on our phones, something which may seem as simple as checking Facebook, can turn from you know nothing into 15 minutes in a moment, all right? And then all of a sudden, you're rushing out the door like a crazed woman because you've just spent all this time wasting time doing something you didn't really need to do. So take the time to fill your home on Sunday morning with, I love that from Colossians 3.16, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So put some worship music on in the background while you're all getting ready. Um, wake up early on Sunday morning, spend some time in the word and prayer, review again the passage for the day, spend some time praying in the Psalms. This is a big one. If you can take the time to pray together as a family before you leave the house for church, that's huge. That just puts everybody in a right frame of mind before the Lord, just with worshipful hearts. Pray that you would seek to meet the needs of the saints and pray for servants' hearts to see those needs as you're there at church. Simple one. You guys have all heard this a zillion times before. This is nothing new here. I know that I'm probably giving more reminders than anything, but maybe it'll be a little encouragement here. So take the time to get everything you need for church on Sunday morning ready the night before. So mamas, pack those church bags, pack those diaper bags. If you have activity bags for your kids, if they're sitting in service with you or there's special things they need for Sunday school, make sure you have all those things together. Write out the offering check the night before. Lay out your clothes for the morning so you're making sure things are washed or ironed if needed. Plan plan breakfast before. Plan a simple breakfast. A lot of people set the table the night before. You can do that if that is helpful. Um, the one, This is one for me that even without kids at home, it is so helpful for me to do this because sometimes, even for me, things don't go so well on Sunday mornings and it's a huge help that I've already had these things in place. It helps me to get out the door faster if if I've just had a botched morning with whatever it may be. So, and eat a good breakfast. Um, Make sure your family eats a good breakfast so you don't have tummy grumblings during church and it keeps you more alert and energized and awake too. So that's just a good thing. And then mamas, what about our attitudes? Because our attitudes can really set the tone for the morning. Is it one of worship as we're getting ready to go to church to serve the family of God? Um, Are we grumbling about tasks or things we need to do or people we need to see? Are we complaining about others at church? Are we rushed and short with family members because of our lack of preparation the night before? So really check our attitudes. Um, On the car, utilize your car ride. On the car ride to church, talk about the passage that's going to be preached. Sing a hymn together, play um, worship music, converse about things of God. My husband and I have about a 45-minute drive to church in this season of life we're in, and we love our church family, and we love going down there. And we've just learned to utilize the time well to, you know, I was telling you our church puts out a bulletin, and if I get it ahead of time, I could see the songs that we're going to sing Sunday, so then I can kind of put together a little playlist before I leave the house on what we're going to listen to so we can listen to the songs on the way. We have time in our drive to really listen to almost a sermon on the way to church and just our conversation about whatever the sermon is going to be about. So those are just good things to be intentional. That's my favorite word with you all, right? Be intentional, because if we're not intentional, it won't happen. Try to arrive at church 10 to 15 minutes early so you have time to visit and you can encourage others. 
Um, Mamas with little ones, you can get yourself and your babies to the bathroom and settle into your seats (laughs) as a family. You can quiet your hearts before by sitting and maybe reading the passage over for the morning or to have some time to look at the bulletin or just to even pray, to sit and pray for a moment as you settle in your seats there. Take the time during the sermon to ponder questions you can discuss as a family. So if you're taking notes, maybe put a little highlighter or star when you think of something there that maybe you'd like to talk about with your kids on the way home and whatever, on the way home or later that day. So let's talk about during the service. How can we be a little more intentional? Well, we can listen diligently to the sermon. Listening takes hard work and training. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a little booklet called Listen Up that's really helpful. Don't let your mind wander. Pray for the Lord to help you focus on what the pastor is preaching and try not to be distracted by random thoughts like, you know, did we put the garage door down? That's a big one for us. Or the movement of others around you. Try to keep focused on the teaching. And moms with little ones, you know, you may not get much time in service as you're dealing with crying or fussy babies. Um, Please remember, this is a season God has called you to right now. And he's using those babies, those children. That is still part of your sanctification process, right? Um, If you happen to be sitting outside of the sanctuary with your littles, but you're able to still hear the sermon through a video or a remote speaker, if that's a, I know it's not a possibility in all churches, but if it is, and sometimes there's other mamas there, and not that chatting is bad, but really try hard to, to listen to the sermon. And it's still a good time if you've got that little one out there with you and it's a moving little toddler and not a baby, to really teach that little toddler to sit. And a lot of that training is still going to take place from your family worship time together. But just if you're wanting your kiddos to be in church with you, that's going to take time and training. It may be natural for some kids, probably not too many, but it just, it just takes time. So that's also a good time to train them if you're sitting out of the service because if you're letting them run around, they're going to, why would they want to go in service when they can run around and go out of the service? So just little words from an old mama there. So I want to share some thoughts though, that as I'm sharing some of that about littles in service that I really appreciated from Albert Moeller. He shared this at a chapel service at Southern Seminary on February 22nd of this year. And I'm going to link to the full sermon, but there's also a little Facebook clip with some of this um, that I'm going to read to you today from, and I'll link to that too in the show notes. But he says, this was so good, wherever children are be are to be found, they are to be welcomed by Christ's people. Christ's people are to be more welcoming than anyone else to children. Our churches should not be places where adults cannot wait to put the children away in order to get to the adult tasks of worship. One of the scandals of so much evangelicalism is that we send people to their rooms as soon as we get to church. Now, he says, I'm not arguing against the utility of a nursery for infants. I'm not arguing against the appropriateness of special programs to teach children. I am saying that when you look at church and you look at a congregation, you should see the congregation. You should see young people. You should see young couples. You should see older couples and older people. You should see those coming into the final season of their life, and you should see those in the beginning season of their life. You should see people sitting in pews whose feet cannot touch the floor. And we should, 
in church welcome the wiggling and the squirming, and we should hope that what is happening is that the Word of God is reaching those hearts in ways those children do not even recognize. They are speaking as children, they are thinking as children, they are reasoning as children, but the Word of God can reach where we cannot go. It is one of the ordinary means of grace that our children in the church with us will hear the Word of God and sing the songs, sing the hymns, hear the music before they sing it, in order that they, at the right time, might find their voice. End quote there. And again, that was from Albert Moeller from a, a chapel service he did at Southern Seminary on February 22nd. I just want to remind us with Psalm 107, 1 through 2, worship the Lord with your whole heart and give thanks to him. So what about after the service? What are some ways we can be intentional? Well, we can take the time to encourage our pastor and share how the preaching of the word impacted you. Revive Our Hearts has an excellent series on encouraging your pastor. It's just a radio series they have. And he, they also have a resource called 30 Days, 30 Day Praying for Your Pastor Challenge. And I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes too. Another thing you can do is you can talk about the sermon with others after the service. And I, as I'm thinking that through and you're having fellowship and you're talking with others, I want to share a list of questions that I have in my Bible. And it's from a very helpful book called Simplify Your Spiritual Life by Donald Whitney. Mr. Whitney, he shares some questions that are just a natural help in directing our conversations with our brothers and sisters in the faith to the spiritual. Because this can be challenging sometimes. We could find ourselves just talking about the weather, but this is directing it to the spiritual. So this is a really handy list, not even to just do in church, just anytime you're with fellow brothers and sisters. But it's great to keep in your Bible or your planner or your purse. And I'm just going to read through the questions, and then I will link to them in the show notes. So don't feel you have to start scribbling down unless you want to. So... You can ask, how is your teaching, hospitality, outreach, or whatever it is, their ministry going? What do you enjoy most about it? Where have you seen the Lord at work lately? What's the Lord been teaching you recently? Have you had any evangelistic opportunities lately? Have you had any obvious answers to prayer recently? What have you been reading? How has it impressed you? Where in the Bible have you been reading lately? What impact has it had on you? How can I pray for you? What's the growth point in your life right now? What are you passionate about right now? These questions will be linked in the show notes to an article. I have them in, and the article is called Cultivating True Christian Fellowship. So it's worth a read even, I I believe, and then those questions are in there for you to um, just copy off or print out. So in in light of those, I just think my husband, and have I mentioned recently to y'all how much I love this man? (laughs) He's just really gifted at conversing with others and taking the conversation to a deeper spiritual level. I need to remind myself to stop talking so much and just listen more to him. (laughs) I can learn much from him. So he just shared two simple but very good questions that are really easy to remember if you can't remember that whole list to ask other believers when we're together. Simple things. How can I pray for you? And what have you been reading in God's word? Great things to ask the young adults in your congregation too to start some conversations. So these are simple They're easy to remember, and they're going to draw the conversation towards the spiritual, right? And even better is when they share a prayer request is to take the time to pray with them right there on the spot. My hubby is really good at that one. I really appreciate that about him. So continuing on after the service here, you can discuss the service with your children on the ride home from church and over the dinner table Sunday night and even throughout the week as things come up, right? 
Spend Sunday evening or Monday morning reviewing your notes from church and study the passage a little bit deeper. Pray about how you can be applying the teaching from the service. I I know that if I don't do this, how quickly I forget what I learned. I mean, you could ask me the next day, what was the sermon about? And I could forget totally what it was about. I'd have to go back and look up the passage and it's so sad. But if I do take the time to meditate on the scripture passages that were preached and to be intentional to share what I learned with others, I am much more likely to remember and apply the teaching. So as I come to a close here now, when we don't plan ahead, our our Sundays can really become chaotic and we can find ourselves arriving at church late or with distracted minds and hearts that are in no condition to receive the word. And as I share that, I am linking to a video, and it's sort of a funny video, but it is the reality. It kind of shows the chaos that goes on at home in a family's life, and then it shows how they come to church looking all pretty and cleaned up. But just just you know, the reality how we can be at home screaming at our kids to hurry up and get your shoes on and get out of here and we're not being very godly in our conversation with them and then we get to church and we just put on that um i always think of the um i'm gonna blank on it here the casting crowns the happy plastic people with you know masquerades that we have these masks on um so i want to link to a video in the show notes and it's just an interesting one to watch it's it's funny but at the same time it can be kind of convicting when we're caught doing that so But it really is a blessing when we are able to arrive at church ready and prepared to hear the word. And I'm going to be honest, I've been in both places. I've been that mom who's been in chaos and practically screaming at her kids to get out the door. And then I've been the latter of being prepared and ready to hear the word with a heart that is worshipable before the Lord. And I would prefer the latter every time, right? God can, and he will work through both. So please, when you arrive at church in chaos and it's been that issue and maybe you need to seek forgiveness from family members or whatever it is, make it right. Ask him, the Lord, to give you a heart that's ready to receive the word and worship him. Go to church, even if you're going to be late. Be there. It's, it's always easier to just stay home, but it is so worth the effort to get there, even if you're going to be late. And these ideas I'm sharing are obviously not exhaustive. And I'm hoping if you have some of your own, please share them with us in the comments or over on our Facebook group page or when this post goes up and um, on my Facebook page on Thankful Homemaker, share them underneath it. I would love that because they're a help to one another even. So I love your ideas, ladies. You guys are full of great ideas and tips and you're a wealth of knowledge. So I so appreciate your input. And also, these are these are not meant to put a burden on you, but again, it's really to spur you on towards a love for the teaching and hearing of God's word by preparing ahead of time and thinking through that. And I also hope that if you do implement some of them, that they'll help to simplify your Sunday mornings. Because I am so guilty and know what that feels like to arrive Sunday morning unprepared with a restless heart that's not focused on the Lord. So for myself too, I'm praying that I will continue to to work and be diligent and intentional to make the preparing for the hearing of God's word an essential part of my week. And always remember, as I say this, we are not loved more. We are not gaining favor with the Lord by preparing ahead for Sunday mornings, okay? We are loved. If you are in Christ, right? If you have repented and put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, you are loved and accepted by God because of Jesus. So, What you're doing here, ladies, really, it's setting an example, not just to yourself, 
but to your family, to your children, on the importance of worshiping the Lord on Sunday mornings with the saints and the importance of the church and the life of your family. So may we foster a love for the family of God to our children and ourselves. So this Sunday morning, I pray that we come ready to encounter God and respond to him with glad and thankful worship with our hearts and lives. And again, as I said, I love when you share. So please do that with me. What are some ways that you prepare for Sunday morning? Some tips and things that you have found to help you. And my reminder always, my ladies out there, is Jesus is enough. Always. So my friends, thank you for your time today. And the show notes and resources that I've mentioned can always be found at thankfulhomemaker.com. And I'm going to throw a wealth of other resources in there that I have not mentioned. And it's really things that as I'm sharing from what really I've learned over time, it's really from others. It's not like I have this new information. It's just from things that I have been taught and read and heard. So I'm going to share a lot of links in there. So take a peek over at the blog and the show notes if you'd like to get some more ideas. And again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you guys have been so great to me and I'm so thankful. Please share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, I'd so appreciate if you take a moment to write a review wherever you listen to the podcast at, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or wherever um, you find me at. So thank you so much, my dear friends, and have a great week. Mm -hmm.